Hello, this is Yarrow, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Jules Watkins, former news photographer and director of Pimp My Ride and Big Brother, turned successful information marketer. Let the journey begin. This is Yarrow, professional blogger, podcaster, and living the laptop lifestyle. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, where I feature another exceptional guest doing amazing things online. Today's guest is Jules Watkins, who has a really interesting background working as a photographer, which helped him then become a director producer on some pretty crazy shows like Pimp My Ride, Big Brother, and My Sweet 16. All of this, though, eventually led to his career on the internet. It was a big shift for him, moving away from those uh, directing and photography type roles to becoming an information marketer and teaching online. He had a bit of a false start with a few products, including a YouTube product and a product he made with the flip cam to teach people how to use that. But all of that was fantastic training for what eventually became his main bread and butter, which is, which is his iPhone video series and ScreenFlow Hero series, where he helps people to make amazing videos using just your iPhone and the ScreenFlow video, uh, video editing platform. We'll get started with that interview in just a moment. First, I want to invite you to join my EJ Insiders membership program, which will automatically qualify you for my interviews club, which is a special sequence of brand new exclusive interviews I recorded just for my EJ Insider members. It's people like Rich Sheffrin and Eben Pagan who are big mentors to me. They're multi-million dollar information marketers and do amazing things online selling products. I've also got uh, some bloggers in there like Albus Fala and Mitch Wilson who've gone on to make million dollar blogs. Then there's people like Jeff Walker who do amazing things with email marketing and Terry Dean. He's also someone who does hundreds of thousands of dollars just through the power of email. So these are all new interviews that are not released anywhere else and you receive them as part of your EJ Insider membership as well as all the action plans I've written to go with the interviews. The action plans are me extracting the leverage points that these people demonstrate that show me in the interviews. I extract them and go, these are the things we need to apply. So you need to listen to the interviews, then read the action plans, take away these one or two things they do really well and apply it to your own business. If you want access to all those interviews, then all you need to do is join my EJ Insider membership. Go to www.ejinsider.com forward slash interviews to hear some samples, to see what you get inside the program, and of course, sign up. Okay, now I'll press play on the interview with Jules Watkins. Here we go. Hello, this is Yara Stark, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey interview. And today on the line, I have a special guest who has come to my attention through uh, my friend Gideon Shalwick, who you might know is a video uh, marketing expert. And my guest today, his name is Jules, and he's also in the world of video. Uh, he's got a few different products around the video hero angle, uh, using ScreenFlow and using iPhone to create video and, and edit video. And we'll talk a bit more about that in later in the call. But Jules has actually had an entire background in, uh, I don't know, film and television, TV. So we're going to find out a bit about that first, but then how he became an information marketer and, and making a living from selling his own training product, products. So Jules, thank you for joining me. 
Yeah, thanks very much, Yarrow. Real honour to be on your, your podcast. I've listened to it many times in the past, so it's fantastic. Awesome. So uh, I'd love to, actually, I should, let's get people excited first. Um, I know you've had these sort of two different lives here. Um, how much better is your life with the current version, with the internet marketing? I don't know if you're willing to talk about numbers, but, uh, you know, you're obviously making a living now selling your own trading products, right? So you sold a lot. Yes. Well, you know, my, in terms of life, life, I suppose, during my TV years and now, life is very, very different. I'm basically, yeah, I'm out earning what I earned in, in television, and which is, you know, TV pays pretty well. I mean, um, I was a, I worked my way up over years to become a, a director, and a, a TV director would get about $2,000 a week um, as a salary. However... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you wouldn't be working every week of the year. That was one thing. Wow. But um, so, yes, I mean, I've, I've grown up this business here. But the real difference for me is my, my time right now. And I've got so much more flexibility about how I live in terms of uh, I've got two kids, uh, youngish kids. I see a lot more of them. I have a lot more time to actually do other things in my life. And I'm able to schedule uh, meetings and know what I'm doing at the weekends and things like that, which mm. I didn't it, back in my TV days. I know it's safe to say you've sold uh, multiple six figures of your training products as well, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but let's let's do the journey here, since it is called Entrepreneur's Journey. So, uh, how did you get into TV? Is that like a childhood dream, and you went straight out of high school or university into that career? Well. I got into TV through the back door, really. I was always obsessed with media since I was a kid. Uh, photography was for me. I just love photography. So as a kid, I, I set up a darkroom. This was back in the days of chemicals and, and photographic paper. Before digital, um, I would set up a, um, a darkroom in the toilet in my house and not let anybody in while, whilst I was... Um, developing these photographs. <laughs> so um, photography, it wasn't very popular with my parents, but photography was my passion, really. And I got into TV through photography. I, I trained in photography, a little bit of film, but mostly stills photography. Um, ended up becoming an assistant to um advertising photographer. Then I dropped that and decided actually I wanted to become a uh, more of a photojournalist. So I started doing news photography. Um, ended up in former Yugoslavia, believe it or not, Whoa. during the during the crisis there, um, shooting photos. Um, that sort of led me in the back door of television because what happened in television um, many years ago was it started to become more and more multi-skilled. So they were looking for people who had the ability to tell a story but also to film the show themselves. So as I sort of developed more video skills and I had sort of storytelling skills... I managed to sort of slip in the back door, really, and start um, a career in TV. And once I saw people making TV shows, I really, that really fascinated me. And I sort of really wanted to do that and, and work with, with a bigger team and basically, you know, see how far I could get. Can you timestamp this? Like, you were how old and what was the, thing, the decade we're in here? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I would say, yes, yeah, starting in TV, um, 98, I started in TV. So I was a late starter in TV, probably in um, late 20s, 30s there. And I was, yeah, pretty late for TV. A lot of people start TV a lot younger. Prior to that, I had been working, I guess, about 
from my early 20s to my sort of early 30s, I was working in photography, not only in Yugoslavia, I worked for some news agencies here in the UK where I'm based. So it would be about nine years of, of photography. And then I got into about 10 years of TV. And, you know, I, I kept on having to, and again, I was sort of moving with the times as well as, as collecting media changed. It was no longer about dark rooms and, you know, it became digital. And then, you know, nowadays um, photographers shoot video as well. You know, they have to, that's part of their role is to capture video. So I was sort of moving along with the times as, in a sense. Okay, well, I, I, I didn't realize you had such a late start in TV. It gives me hope. I can have a TV career still, <laughs> Jules. So, um, okay, so you're a photographer, and it sounds like you're a photojournalist in a lot of ways. You definitely were in the kind of media and publishing world from the outset, and then TV is more of the same. Uh, now, you said you started with TV in around 98. That's, for me, that's when I started on the internet. So the internet was obviously happening around you. Were you paying much attention to it? Did it sort of become part of what you were doing or was it very separate from your, your life in TV? Well, yes, I need, to, I need to mention one thing I sort of missed out there is that during my photography career, I kept on seeing this growth of the internet and I was fascinated by it, particularly what it would do to photography. And I did start looking into it. And in fact, I made a kind of huge decision at one point I was sort of got tired of the news side of it It was constantly on the go I had a few incidents where I got injured as a photographer and um that was in the UK not, not even in a, in a war zone <laughs> okay. that was it <laughs> that, that was in the UK which is another story but yes yeah, so I realized that it was quite a bit hazardous and I sort of fell out of love with it and I what I did was I made a quite a big decision to actually go back to college um, as a mature student, to do a, degree, um, a, a master's in interactive media. Now, why I did that, I, I, I thought, you know, maybe this could be the start of some sort of change for me. And it was literally a one-year course where I literally was learning about how to design CD-ROMs <laughs> um, and the, um, a little bit about HTML, but mostly uh, using a software called Director, which is a software that you can create, like, interactive DVDs and learn to design those. So I did a year where I really immersed myself in the, in the interactive world, and that sort of helped me get into the... My break into TV came as a combination of the photography, but also because I ended up working in an interactive department within a TV company. But when I saw people making these TV shows, I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd really like to do that. So I actually sort of um, sneaked into TV through, through those means. Okay, so what exactly were you hired to do in the TV world first? Like, what was your actual job? Well, I was hired to build some websites that went along with some TV shows. Now, I wasn't particularly qualified to do that, really. Um, but they sort of liked my ideas, and this degree I did had a good reputation. So I got this job where I was using things like Dreamweaver, photo editing tools, and literally... Um, doing mock-ups. So, for example, say there was a TV show about gardening, then they would say, you know, is there potentially uh, a website in this? Could we create a website that goes along with the TV series and pitch that, because I was working for independent companies, could they pitch that as a sort of add-on to the TV show? So I would mostly do mock-ups and ideas and, and, and things like that, and then it would sort of get passed on. So that, that's roughly what I was doing. So at this point, I'm assuming you haven't touched marketing in any shape or form, really, at all. 
No, my only my only marketing was really as a when I was self-employed as a photographer. I wasn't particularly good at it, but I had to market myself because I was totally freelance. So in a way, as if anybody who runs their own business like that has to think a little bit about the marketing. Mm. But I wasn't by any means specialist in marketing, no. Okay, so take us through your career in TV. Uh, can you give us a highlight reel? I'd love to hear any shows that you know maybe the listeners and myself know about that uh, you worked on. Yeah, well, t- TV was fascinating for me i started off really small there was an explosion of small digital channels sky brought out a few so i worked on this quite a small channel that was doing shows about the internet making shows about tech about one of them was called startup it was literally interviewing um startup entrepreneurs (laughs) here in in london so as part of the team we would do everything we would shoot the camera we would do the interview i even was on, on camera at some points as well that was my start, but I sort of clawed my way up, and it's quite a, a brutal, competitive business, but I managed to get up to the role of becoming um, producer-director, ended up working on mainstream TV. So, for example, shows you would have heard about would be The Biggest Loser, which is obviously a huge franchise show that you, you, you get in Australia and, and across the world. That would be a big one. And then one of the funnest ones was uh, Pimp My Ride. <laughs> I, I've, I've made um, two shows for MTV. One was Pimp My Ride, and the other was My Super Sweet 16. Oh, wow. Where, as a middle-aged guy, I would have to get down with the kids and film these outrageous parties, which was interesting. Wow. <laughs> Contrast. So that, I mean, if you've watched that show, basically it's where a 16-year-old um, put, well, their parents put on the most amazing, expensive birthday. And the, the kid is very demanding. You know, they expect to have everything. My One of the people I covered wanted a, a winter-style um, party with huskies. So I remember we were trying to find huskies in Ireland uh, for, this, for this party. We had to book a band, uh, a famous artist for the party, um, ice sculptures. So each party's got a theme. So that would be the MTV experience, which, which was all good. Uh, well, I, I, I'm actually familiar with uh, all those shows, I hate to say. <laughs> I'm curious a little bit about uh, what do you do as a producer-director? Like, are you, I, I know I mean, a director is, you know, saying, say it this way and point the camera this way and then works with the editor in post-production to say, you know, how the film com- comes together. Is that kind of what you're doing? And as a producer, I'm assuming that means you... Well, I thought producers put money into the programs as well. Like they're kind of like investors, but clearly I'm not right here. So, what was your job? Yes, well, in I was working for independent production companies, many of them, and basically, they would have uh, executives and series producers and the owners. They would handle the kind of commissions and and that side of it. So they would get the funding from the channel. Their job was to deliver a great show. So a TV producer director, incredibly multi-skilled role from meeting contestants. Um, helping to choose contestants, even presenters sometimes, script writing. I was involved with writing the scripts for the shows, which has really helped me with copywriting later on. And so handling sort of behind the scenes in the pre-production phase, where are we going to film, going to scout locations, all that kind of thing. How was the show going to run? What elements were going to work where? That kind of thing. Then on location, so producer would basically be working with with a team and... Uh, looking after um, contestants, sometimes um, researchers, runners. Then also as a director, yeah, absolutely, working either filming it yourself or often working with a crew. Once I worked with a crew of like seven camera people 
seven cameras shooting, three sound recordists, uh, handling lots of um, issues that come up. And as you say, directing the show. So what shot we're going to do now, um, interviewing the contestants, making sure the presenter got their lines right. And then you would take all of this material, so you'd, you'd finish shooting, you'd go into the edit suite with, sometimes I'd sit there with 200 hours of material, and that was for a one-hour show. So my job, that would be a long sort of 60-minute show for something like the BBC. You'd sit there with 200 hours with a, with a piece of A4 paper, <laughs> which was the which was plan and a bit of a script, and you'd have to kind of sit there with an editor for about between six and seven weeks, six and eight weeks, and come out with some a magic at the end of it. Wow, I have a newfound respect for all the TV shows I watch. <clears throat> I watch now. <clears throat> Excuse me, that sounds like an incredible amount of work, and I'm surprised it's only two thousand. Is it pounds or, or dollars a week? That'd be dollars. Yes, wow. that would be a mid, a mid, a medium grade producer director. There would be some more famous ones who would be like, you know, they would only shoot documentaries about elephants or something you know more specialist ones mm. and you know they they probably get more and obviously as you go up in tv senior producers executives the, the ones who really do well in tv are the owners of the production companies because they're managing multiple productions and then ideally for those guys they build up a, an independent company and then somebody comes along and buys it so there's been cases where i mean i used to work for elizabeth murdoch um one of her, her, she's got a company called Shine. It's an independent company. So she would, um, she was buying out other independent production companies at one stage. So if you own the company, then yes, great. If you grew it to a really good turnover, you could potentially sell it for several million to somebody like that. But I, I was, I wasn't in, I wasn't up there. I was sort of on the cold face, so to speak. Were you aspiring to that, perhaps, at the time? No, not really. Do you know what? I saw the stresses. I mean, the, the stresses as a producer-director are, are intense. And, go, you know, the same above that. It's a very frenetic, crazy environment. And I didn't think I was really the right one to, to sort of continue climbing up and to getting into those sort of positions. It didn't... I don't know. It just didn't... It didn't feel like it was me. Okay, so... Uh, is it a case of getting extremely stressed, which led you to look for alternative income streams? And I'm thinking $2,000 living in London is not, uh, 2000 a week is not going to cover, especially a family man, uh, like a life. So what, what led to the jump over to starting an information training business online? Yes, that's, that's a good one. Well, several things. Firstly, when, you know, when I say two, 2K a week, I was a freelancer, so I would be jumping from... The average TV contract would be about 12 weeks. And TV companies, they hire you in and they try and get you out as quick as they can. So even sometimes before the show is totally finished, because they don't want you on the payroll. So I was jumping <laughs> from um, one 12-week contract, then I would be looking for work for a few weeks, then I would be back in the contract. I would never quite know where I was going to be at the end, you know, in the next few weeks and how long the gap would be between. So my income wasn't, it wasn't stable, but it was also that kind of unknown factor about where was the next thing coming from. And the other thing is in TV, you can't say no. You know, you're not allowed to say no. So somebody on a Friday night says, do you know what, that family that we're following in north of Scotland for this property show has had a burst water pipe. Can you go <laughs> to film it? <laughs> Um, so, you know, you'd be like, you know, I had kids at that stage. I'd be thinking, oh, great, a weekend off finally. 
and then it'll be like six o'clock. Oh, we'll book you a flight and you'll be off to Scotland or wherever you might be. So, and that's the, that's the nature. When you get when you get into TV, you have to follow the story. That's part of the deal, really. Um, but it's very hard to sort of uh, um, set your own time scale and, and and arrange things. So that was one another reason, really. It was sort of feeling a little bit out of control with my own time. And the other one was, I suppose, covering business stories. I did some shows that were connected to business. And they were sort of business reality shows. I, I won't I won't name them, but I was looking at some of the the advice that was given. I was learning actually because it's funny when you're working in TV, you learn by filming because every topic that you cover, you kind of learn something about it. And I started getting interested, interested in business through making some of these shows that had a relationship to business. And I thought, you know what? If looking ahead, you know, I've got to start looking ahead now. I can't just live in this moment where. Yeah, great. I made $2,000 this week. I had to start thinking, well, what, what about next year and the year after? What am I going to be doing? And it was then I thought, you know what? I don't own any assets here. You know, I'm making these guys at the top quite wealthy. I'm working way more hours than, than those guys. And, but I'm not really bringing, building my own assets. So what could I do that was going to really give me a little bit more stability going forward as I get older? Okay, so you you asked that question. Did, where did you start looking? Well, that's that's where you come in. Oh, oh good. I like this part of the story. Tell me more. <laughs> I thought you would. No. <laughs> well, because I, like everybody, you start looking online and start looking, searching for terms and looking at different models of, of making money. And I looked at a whole spectrum of things, like I looked at affiliate marketing. My first dollar, we could talk about that if you want, it was as an affiliate. But I started looking at different means, you know, AdSense, affiliate marketing, niche blogging. Um, and I came, of course, I came across your site and I hit upon your podcast archive, which is fantastic. And I can remember literally just sitting down. In fact, I was lying down, I think. It was that good. And listening to back-to-back -back episodes for like hours of it. And like absorbing all these stories, thinking, my goodness, this is fantastic. But with a little bit of skepticism, like, can it really work? But I was listening to all these points and I was sort of becoming an expert in this, but very theoretical. I hadn't done anything yet, but I felt like I was an expert. And I downloaded your ebooks, your, your membership um, ebook and blogging one. And I also looked at different other places as well. And I built up this real sort of theoretical expertise in it. And I thought, you know what? So many of what's been talked about here fits what I could do that, you know, really I should do something about it. Okay, so, I, I mean, when you say you've got all this theoretical knowledge and then you've obviously been exposed to a lot of ideas, like you said, affiliate marketing and niche blogging and AdSense, they're all very different. And, you know, trying every one at the same time is not going to work. So, so how did you sort of narrow it down and figure out what was right for you? Well, I pretty much tried everything. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I did a few things at the same time. But I, I got into the situation, I guess a lot of people get into, and maybe your listeners, where you can't decide what to do. Everything seems so good, and it's so hard to decide, and you're so scared of choosing the wrong thing that you don't decide anything. So I was pretty... Because I knew it was a big moment for me. I, I felt it was quite big, and I didn't want to make the wrong choices. So I got locked in that for a while. But I eventually thought, you know what, I've done nothing online. I've got to get something online, otherwise it's just a bit of a joke. So my very first thing I did was a very 
niche blog. This coincided with me noticing a video. I, I saw a, a video made by an American chappy marketer, and he was it, the, the video was uh, called uh, "Going Filming Myself Going to the Dentist," <laughs> right? Mm. And basically, this guy's Jim. His name is Jim Kukral. And oh, yeah, I know Jim. He, you've heard of him, yeah. yeah. So he basically was had a flip camera. I'd never heard of a flip camera, but he was using a flip camera, filming himself going to the dentist. And I thought, what, what's going on here? What's going on? And what I realised was he was showing how versatile this pocket camera was, but also he had a link, an affiliate link uh, to Amazon um, for the camera. And that was when I first started thinking about affiliate marketing. So my first ever online thing was... Uh, a blog just about the flip camera. Ah. All I did was blog for on and off for a couple of years, um, just about flip, anything to do with flip, whether it was other people's flip videos, whether it was the best flip accessories, anything uh, keyworded around flip. And that was my, because it kind of fit, fitted for me because it was, I could talk about video and obviously I was in TV, so I loved that kind of thing. It was a, uh, a cool little uh, tool that a lot of people could use and there wasn't in the UK it wasn't that well known did you get rich did I get rich no and actually I before I came on this interview I checked my Amazon stats and so here you go here's, an, here's a stat for you between January and December this is 2010 um, to 12 so I, che I checked for a long period just now there was sales, Amazon sales of thirty-six thousand uh, pounds, so that's about fifty thousand dollars of sales, and my actual profit was two thousand pounds, so that's about <laughs> three thousand dollars. Unfortunately, so the commissions at Amazon aren't so good on physical products, are they? <laughs> exactly. That's two. That was two. That's two years. Just randomly, I just checked it. Um, so you can see that yes, you can put out a lot of content. You can get quite high on the keywords and things but in terms of actually how much I made just from pure affiliate that that wasn't great so that was my my first thing but I I dropped that for a while I have to say and I then went off on a little bit of a tangent do you want me to talk about that well, it depends what it's about what's the tangent about <laughs> oh yeah no def definitely related yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> keep going related. keep going I I well I think it happens to people because the thing that's that you know is really in your face, sort of staring you in the face, what you should do, you kind of, I kind of sabotaged it and went off on a tangent. I, I started also seeing people who were making online video shows. There was a show called uh, Rocket Boom. And so these were episodic shows, sort of 10, 15 minutes a week. And I thought, you know what, maybe that's what I should be doing. I should be just making a show like I do in TV, but doing it online. And so I went off on a little bit of a tangent. I had young kids and I started looking at the parenting niche I created a show, which I, I put some money into it, which was a show about parenting and a lot about mothers and babies, <laughs> which really, as I didn't have a hell of a lot of experience about being a mother, of course. So I went off on this sort of parenthood niche for a while, making the show, and I soon realised that, you know what, making a show's great and it's quite fun, but it's quite a drain on your time and your resources, and it's really a long a long game to get a show like that known and get a lot of views. And I was thinking maybe I, maybe I would get sponsorship and that really started, you know, that, that went for a while where I was really worried, you know, was I doing the right thing? So that was my little tangent. Was that on YouTube? That was on YouTube. I also 
had it. I, I used to put it out to like 10 different um, video hosting sites. I had a, a, a site that's not live anymore where I put it there. And I made contacts. I got a lot of free stuff sent to me. Like I would, you know, my kids actually say, oh, why, they, I wish I was doing that now. You know, they wish I was doing that now because we used to get like um, prams and um, toys and all sorts. That's what okay. bloggers in the parenting niche get. Um, so there's no shortage of that. But in terms of monetizing it, I just thought it could be a long, it could be a long way around it. And I had, uh, at this stage, stopped working in TV, which is a crazy thing. My wife had got a job, and I made this sort of break away from TV. And this was at this sort of time where I thought, wow, you know, I've, making, I've made this break from TV. My wife's bringing in some money, but I haven't really got a solid foundation what I'm doing. It does sound like you were getting quite a bit of traction, though. You, you know, you, even though you didn't make a lot of money from the Amazon sales on the, the Flip blog, you did sell $50,000 worth of a product. So that's what most people don't do. You know, that's traction. And then you're getting people watching your show on YouTube and, and other video channels, and they're sending you products. So you've obviously got an audience. So you must have at least practiced a lot of what you'd learned and you know, built traffic and you know, all these things like SEO and keywords and producing consistent content for long enough to get a result. That, that's some, some really good solid groundwork there. You must have felt like you're closer to an outcome, right? Absolutely right. You know, I don't, I don't really regret any of these things because they all led me to this point right now. And, you know, for me, the, most, the best sale, the most important sale I've ever got was checking my Amazon account and seeing $4.00 from somebody who'd come to my site and clicked through my link and bought a, a camera because that really was my first dollar. And that's so important because I realised, you know what, people do buy stuff. Because at that point, I was so sceptical about the people. Um, could I make any money on the internet? I knew people bought stuff, but could I actually make some money? So that was important. And you're right, um, playing with video, seeing what, what works with video, how much time it can take, because I had to really get out of the, the television mindset about how to make shows and and simplify it a lot so experimenting with video seeing the fact that you could really yeah you're right you can attract people to you using video and even brands who big brands they, they are they're willing to kind of support you or at least send you things if they see that you're doing good work so absolutely the fact that I started to own a bit of my own content and that I was now sort of the the producer of the content you know that that to me was very very interesting so you're, you're right it did lead me down, down the right path in a way. But you weren't making enough money, so what happened next? Okay, well, key things I did was, which everyone teaches, I'm sure you do, is put an opt-in box onto my website. <laughs> Very crucial on my, my flip site. So I, I had a free ebook, started building a list around the, the flip. Uh, that was important. And started thinking about, well, you know what? Why don't I just do, why don't I drop the, the parenting thing? It's, it's too slow. It's not growing fast enough. Why don't I do what people keep asking me about, which is the video. And obviously the video explosion was happening around that time. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs were interested in video. And I thought, you know, what am I doing? Why don't I just stick to, to, to my background and, and share that? So I put an, um, an opt-in box up. I collected a list. I started thinking about my first product. And then I got hit by something really awful at that time, 2011, when Cisco decided to axe the flip camera altogether. Um, I, somebody sent me an email. I woke up once morning and they said, you should check the news. And I checked the news and it was basically flip camera axed. <laughs> so, right. Uh, that must thinking, have been because right. of the iPhone, right? 
Yeah, the iPhone was rising and that they would they decided to get out of that market and put it more into telecoms as that was the market. They they had bought out the flip brand and they were now they were into telecoms. So they basically axed it. So my blog, I thought, well, how long's that gonna last? But despite all that, I thought, do you know what? There's so much buzz around whether it's a flip, whether it's the uh, Kodak, which was a Kodak ZI8 or ZI8 was a, a very um popular pocket camera. The iPhone was emerging. I thought, you know, forget about that. I'm sure that there's enough interest. I felt sure there was enough interest, judging by what I'd seen people talking about on forums and things, to make a product around pocket cameras. So I started creating my first product. So January 2011, I, I released my first product, which was called Pocket Video Power. And Pocket Video Power was literally how to create incredible videos using the camera in your pocket. And I covered all of those cameras I've talked about, Kodak, Flip. I, I included Flip because I realized the Flip was going to be around even though, you know, it was not being made anymore. There was a lot of Flips out there in the world and a lot of Kodak. So I just centered it around how to literally boost up your business. But I also made a decision to aim it, you know, to target it more. Having, I suppose, studied all these eBooks and things that I'd got, um, not to make it just like for anybody. I definitely decided to target business owners and entrepreneurs. How, how did it go? Well, that interesting, you know, the first launch when you, you've got a small list and you tell your friends about it and you open the gates and you're, I was dreaming about, I'd read all these figures about what people had make on their first day. <laughs> and I was thinking this is going to change my life forever and you know, we're going to move house or something. You know, I was full of these uh, huge dreams and I had like two sales on my first day. How big was your list? My list was about 500. Okay. And, and you uh, you were selling a product that was priced how much? Uh, it was, I think it, when I first launched it, it was 90, uh, let me just think, $97. It was 97 at launch. I think I put it to 149 at one stage, but 97 okay. at launch as far as I remember. And I'm assuming it was a video training product. Yeah, it was a, literally uh, a video training product I made. I probably made it too big. I made that mistake. I made it five modules with about seven videos in each, all housed inside a protected WordPress site. I was using optimized press theme. And yeah, so it was a video product you, you using PayPal as well. So nothing really fancy, you know, you pay for it, you get a login sent to you. And I just, I just, I suppose I hit the point there where I thought, look, I'm going to make a real go of this. I am going to get this product um, out there. I'm going to get it on sale. I'm going to get that buy button there. Unless I do this, I'm never going to know, you know, whether this can work or not. And I'm assuming it was just you sitting down recording desktop recordings at that stage because being a video guy you I'm, you know i think the, the the person listening to this must see you having a massive video studio at home since you're a director and a producer of television um but it's probably not quite that different from what you can use today with ScreenFlow, for example right yes i i had very little equipment in fact because when i was in tv everything was given to me all the, the kit was hired for us everything was was put on show for us so i had very little equipment. In fact, I decided to to shoot most of it on pocket cameras because it was a video course. One one thing I did do that I was really pleased I actually with is I used something for, I learned in TV, which was people like to see other people going through a process. 
So I think that a lot of info products are too self-centered around the creator. And what I did was I went out and filmed real entrepreneurs in their houses with some of the issues that they had filming videos. So I went out into their environment. So I would find somebody and say, look, can I come to your place? Could I come and show you where I think you should be filming your video? And could I, could I see your videos and you know, what, what's going wrong with them? So I, much as a reality show would go out and, you know, you watch these restaurant shows where the, the chef goes into the, you know, with Gordon Ramsay. Oh, I love that show, he, goes yeah. into, he goes into a restaurant and, and destroys it and says, you know, you're rubbish. I wasn't that, I wasn't that hard. It's not my <laughs> You totally could have pulled it off, though, Jules. You got the accent, you know. Your the video's accent. crap. <laughs> so. Yeah, and they end up in tears. And, you know. But um, I, I'm not that kind of character. But I did go and sort of... Um, in, in a more gentle way, go and see what people are up to. I featured the faces of entrepreneurs in my course so that they would then uh, mention it to other people. So in, the video was a little harder for me. I didn't just sit at my desktop. I had to go out and shoot stuff. But in terms of editing, I was using a really basic um, version of Final Cut, Final Cut Express, which mm -hmm. was probably about $200 at the time. That was one of the softwares I used. I had... I use pocket cameras to shoot some of it, so Kodaks and things, because I thought, you know what, if I'm telling people they can achieve great results, I better use those cameras myself. Otherwise, you know, if I was shooting on professional cameras, it would be weird. So hmm. I shot it in a, with low-cost equipment and very kind of experimental. I tried to inject a bit of creativity from TV into it, and that really worked because once... I start getting more people inside. A lot of feedback I got was, you know, your course is a little bit different. It, it feels like you've put a lot of work into it. It feels, uh, I feel entertained by your course. Mm. And a lot of TV, you know, in, 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 in England, uh, in TV, they call it factual entertainment. So a lot of the, the reality shows, the business shows, the, 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 the Gordon Ramsay's, they would call that factual entertainment. So when you watch that show, you do learn some business points about what are they doing wrong with their marketing of their restaurant, for example, mm -hmm. but it's sort of wrapped in a more entertaining way. And I've tried to use that. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I love two things you're talking about here. The, the way that you go out and make your target audience participate in the creation of the product, because that's so clever on so many levels. You, you've got proof. You're, like you said, not making it about you, making it about someone who's normal, like the person who would potentially be thinking about buying a product so they can put themselves in that person's place. Uh, they, they learn from it, obviously, as well. And you're demonstrating your craft right there with using the pocket cameras. Uh, that's different. Not many people actually create products that way. So I think that's actually you're the first person I think I've ever heard of doing that, where you, you make it about a customer or a member as opposed to about yourself. And uh, being a video, you, you can do that really well. And then, um, like you said, making it factual entertainment or almost like a, a training course that's also a documentary, which is, again, not really done. Cause I, a lot of this comes from your background, which I think is fantastic. But now you teach it. That's a lot of what I think your training products right now are, is about. But before we talk about that, you made two sales from your 500 people list. That's pretty depressing on some levels. So how did you progress forward? Ah, oh, well, that was day one. Okay. Um, day two was, was another one. You know, day three was three. Day four was a couple. Then, you know, it sort of was a, was a trickle. It, it wasn't what I was expecting because I had read a lot about these big launches where a lot of traffic comes and you get a lot of conversions on the first day and then 
and the second day maybe it drops off a little bit and then you um oh i made a big mistake by the way i didn't have any it was it was launched without any deadline there was no like oh. prices going up deadline or it's going off the market um it was literally like here it is um check it out there, there was okay. no no scarcity um, no scarcity the word i'm looking for i couldn't remember the word <laughs> i should know that word by now i'm an expert <laughs> at it i'm an expert at that word now but yes there was no <laughs> there was no scarcity right so that was a, a big mistake so it was a trickle and then it sort of grew and i started looking for affiliates pretty pretty fast and that helped uh, you know, one thing I've done here is particularly, well, with, with this course, and I learned it as well, is literally go out and market your product. Go and find people who who are interested in your product and who are potential affiliates. What I didn't do, and I do see a lot of people do that, I didn't sit back thinking, you know what, if I just keep blogging, apart from the fact my blog was about to be destroyed because the flip was disappearing, I didn't think like, oh, if I just keep blogging and it'll come to me, it'll come to me, I thought okay, I've got something cool. Let me go out and find people to promote it. Let me get banners made. So I, I started doing that and that did help increase the sales. Mm. Awesome. Okay. So this is all going back to your flip blog, which is what you use to build the 500 person list. Then you decide to create this first product because you think it's what people will be interested in. You do a launch process, which isn't quite what you'd call textbook. You forgot the scarcity element, but nevertheless, you still had sales coming through. And, and obviously, it's a, a good sign that there's possible growth potential. You start going and asking affiliates to promote for you. I'm assuming this product's not one of the ones that you have on the market still. But when all was said and done, how much did you sell of that product? Do you remember how many copies you sold? Yes. No, I, I checked it this morning. I knew you'd ask me that. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> it's it it's done total. It, it's it's on the market, but it's not really selling. I mean, it, some people who've got a Kodak, perhaps. But to be honest, it's you know it's there, but it's not really an active product. Is uh, so my my sales figure from that was nineteen thousand dollars. Okay, so from when did you start the blog? How many years were you working on it? Well, well, <laughs> I think I started my blog in in 08 but okay. i then dropped i dropped it for like about a year between sort of um 2009 and 10 i sort of dropped it picked it up a bit in 2010 so really i was a very sporadic blogger my blogging blogger and my posts were like two paragraphs in a video you know <laughs> once a, a fortnight okay. so very lightweight blogger but you know i'm amazed you know what i'm saying is like that's my first sold product paid product and total revenue of, of 19k or thereabouts yeah that's amazing i mean that's that's very encouraging so uh i'm assuming you just said this is working let's multiply it was that next N not really because <laughs> i again that that would be that would be Too well logical. i suppose yeah you're right multi well multiply it having more products yes not not expanding that that side of it i didn't i looked at it and thought because a lot of it was centered on the flip camera inside of it i thought do you know what? People are starting to hate the flip. Um, I'm getting hate mails uh, <laughs> because I, they saw me as like the flip guy. Right. And they kind of associated me with the brand. Right. Yes, and they were, so, they, were, they were so upset. So I thought, do you know what? Why don't I start something fresh? Um, you know, what I've learned from is great. I've learned from this. It's fantastic. Let me put that into practice into something else. And you mentioned it earlier. I noticed that the iPhone was just becoming huge 
in the marketplace because and I bought my my first iPhone and it was so much had so much more flexibility as a video camera compared to these automated cameras like the flip and it had the audio socket and all that kind of thing so you know I thought why don't I just almost narrow down narrow down my niche um, and go even narrower and a lot of people they try and go bigger you know I've, I've seen a lot of people who put out products and they think right they think video and they think okay video marketing that's that's hot let's do video marketing 101 you know, they go really broad mm -hmm. and but I was thinking do you know what one way to to get things to take off is to actually create things that other people don't have so I, lo I looked at people in the market I was very spent a lot of time looking at other people what were they doing in the the video and video marketing niches what kind of products did they have and I thought, you know, if, I, if I'm ever going to be able to get like really good affiliates or, or good relationships, there's no point in me creating what they already had. So if I did a course in general about like video blogging or, you know, you've got like Gideon doing that. If I did a course about YouTube or, you know, you've got other people doing that. I thought, what could I do that sort of fill the gap? And to me, it just kept coming back to me iPhone. I already had some iPhone content in my, my previous course. Why don't I just do a training course only? For people that have got iPhones, obviously iPods would fit into that as well. And so, yeah, I came up with the idea of iPhone Video Hero. Okay, so were you thinking start from scratch, basically, like brand new blog, build a brand new list, create a whole new product? Because that's that's a lot of work, especially after you know having done so much work already in all these different ways. Absolutely no. I thought. I thought I'm not going to start a iPhone blog. I'm not going to go the blogging route, to be honest with you. Okay, I'm I disappointed, thought, but okay. I know, you, you, I'm, I'm sure. Um, well, you know, I already had a little bit of a list of, of, of people, and they were, people were moving on to the, I, the iPhone route. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, how can I create a product and get it known? And I said, look, why don't I treat an info product as a real-world product? So... If you were, say you invented a, a new iPhone case, as an example, right? What would you do to get that known quickly? Would you start a blog about iPhone cases and hope to build an audience? Or would you get your iPhone case in front of the noses of people with influence? Mm. Um, and isn't that going to be a quicker way for me? Now, I, am, I, I think blogging is so powerful and getting, you know, free traffic from blogging, absolutely. But I, you've got to realise, you know, I was had stopped working in TV. I was looking for a, a, a quick route here. Mm. So going back to what I just said, I thought, well, if I can just get uh, good exposure for my product and literally piggyback on other people's uh, traffic and, and um, standing on the, in the world of internet and also help them, obviously they want to monetize their blogs and their podcasts, mm. why can't I just go on a mission and get my product known and sort of make it famous in the marketplace and then you know would that not have then uh, enabled me to have lots of people pointing back to my site mm -hmm. so basically you're, you're relying on sort of joint venture affiliate traffic to to launch everything but on the back of a quality product based on all the skills you acquired to that point i'm assuming you know if you go and say hey gideon i want you to promote this for me i'll pay you 50 percent commissions Gideon's not going to just go yes because you asked. You're, you're going to have to convince them somehow, which everyone will need convincing of. So that's 
obviously where blogging can be helpful because you could say, go check out my existing work. I'm assuming you just said, here's my great product, check it out. And if you think it'll be valuable to your audience, do a, let's do a promotion. Is that kind of how it happened? Yeah, that, that kind of thing. It would be, you know, one thing is doing doing things like interviews and guest posting or podcasting. You can, you can once you get somebody uh, who gives you some exposure, then you can use that when you approach somebody else. Mm. Much as in my days on TV, I would, to try and get a job, I would say, okay, I've just worked with so-and-so, you know, drop a name in there. <laughs> I've had my show appear here, and now I would love to work with you. So when you when you get one kind of break and you get onto a podcast, you get a bit of exposure, then you can literally say to somebody, go and check out what I did for this person. Go and see my interview here. Or uh, you can say, here's an article where they talk about my product. You can basically build up a little resume of where you've been mentioned. And that gives the person you're approaching, uh, gives you so much credibility because they know these names of people that, you know, you, that you've associated mm. with or who have... Um, talked about your product so i suppose once you get the first then that helps you uh so it, it makes it easier so but who was your first you're, you're right i'm yeah <laughs> personal question who was your first Jules? <laughs> my first well you know one one big i tell you one big break it's i think it's just like in the real media when you get on tv like say you got onto national tv with your product that would be great wouldn't it um oprah. to me yeah if you got on oprah so i didn't get on oprah but i got on one of the big breaks for me was getting on to David Seitman Garland, you know him, you've, you've mm -hmm. been on mm -hmm. there as well. Uh, the Rise to the Top. That is the online, you know, one, one of the equivalents of getting onto, a, onto national TV in the online world, as if you saw what I mean. So getting uh, a break onto that, getting exposure. You know, David interviewed me about the product. He's got it in his resources as one of these recommended resources. It's still there. So getting that exposure, that just suddenly increases people's knowledge about you it, it basically puts his uh authority on your product in the sense that he's recommending it get a testimonial and obviously you wouldn't get this if it wasn't a good product i've got to say that if it wasn't a good product that appealed I, I wouldn't have got there and part of it was actually me realizing you know who is it that's using an iphone whose audience are likely to use an iphone or who themselves uses an iphone and talks about their their passion of iphone so I was thinking, you know, who would be a great target for the product and whose audience would, would get great value out of it. And so, yeah, absolutely, you get known. It sort of trickles out on the Internet and people start to know you and you get a bit of word of mouth going. And I do think that there is a kind of tipping point that you can get um, when more and more people start thinking, oh, I've heard of that before, or I know that, I've heard of that, and they, they start typing in. Okay, so uh, so many things I'd like to talk about here, but I, I, I'm running out of time with you, Jules. So you have a range of products now. Let, let's, let's just fast forward to the present so we can make sure you know, we're, we're up to date. You created this product, David Seitman Garland promoted it, which led to other people promoting it. The product itself helped you to open the door, which then helped you to open more doors. I'd call that a success ladder. So you, you climb the success ladder that way. And then... You've obviously, well, I'd love to know the numbers. Like you, you sold how much of the iPhone training product and what is the name of that product just for people who are interested? It's, it's called iPhone Video Hero, iPhone Video Hero. And total sales, now this is gross sales, okay? So this is, uh, doesn't, um, includes affiliate sales and everything. Gross sales, $220,000. Since 
since I, let me think, I launched it in November 2011. Okay, so a couple of years. That's pretty yeah. good. That's 100,000 a year on average. So great result. And was that, that's 100% better than the, tw the 19 grand you did, uh, or 1,000% better. I'm going to do my maths here. 10 times better than your <laughs> results with the first information product you created. So hell, $2 million is next, right? That's a, a natural conclusion. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. So <laughs> yes, no, that's been great. But it's, you know, it's a great figure. What I like about it most, though, is its daily sales. You know, it, it's a slow thing. It's not It's not all built around affiliate launches. Now, it's daily sales. I do, um, my affiliates make videos. I do um, occasionally blog. I've got a new blog. I do do a lot of work on Facebook. I use a bit of Facebook ads. I, I do all kinds of things. But what it's, what's great for me is it's daily sales, not just a big hit and then nothing. So that has sort of expanded. And you mentioned other products in... July, end of July this year, so we're 2013, I released um, ScreenFlow Hero, which is a product about obviously editing videos on your Mac. And just jumping ahead, uh, jumping between those two, I decided uh, of this year in May, which I probably spent a, I took a long time to get around to this, I added a bit of continuity into my iPhone product. So I realized that I'd got a lot of people really excited about the iPhone product and I wasn't really offering them enough. I was offering people only some consulting, like Skype consulting, but I wasn't really offering anything else. So I introduced a, a VIP section, um, which was a monthly recurring continuity mm. to get uh, more content. That was back in May. And then um, end of July, I got a new product called ScreenFlow Hero, which is doing pretty well. And it's sort of getting daily sales already. So having, I suppose, all this journey of... Um, launching affiliates i've had um opt-in for like free ebooks on my sites and um giveaways that's all built my list up so incrementally it becomes easier when you mm. when you you know now if i want to launch a product then you then i've got a bigger list you see right it's, it's like the flywheel approach from good to great you're just everything is feeding on itself so you get more customers of one product leads to more customers of another which leads to more opt-ins and so on and so forth uh, I'd love to break down some of the more technical aspects of this because there's a few things you do which I haven't seen anyone else do, like we already talked about, how you created your product. But also, you have really, like, the, the, the one I've taken a look at or you've given me access to has only got, like, a couple of videos. You know, you're not talking huge courses here, and you're charging $97 for it. So... That seems very strategic in a lot of ways. Um, a, it means you you have you don't have to go and spend hours or it's not even hours, it's months creating a training course, but you also are charging ninety seven. It's you know it's not like a five hundred a thousand dollar product, but it's not a, a fifteen dollar book either. So you can do pretty well off a hundred dollar product. How have you managed to come up with this formula for such small products? And and correct me correct me if I'm wrong it probably doesn't take you quite as long to create these products, hence you really see yourself potentially expanding into more products quite rapidly. Yes, I mean, I soon discovered that, you know, you've got to give people a result. That's what they want with your product. They want a result. And the more that I spent online, I realized how busy uh, entrepreneurs, business owners are, and they're hit with so many products and so much information. So I really did think that, it's not, it's not about the quantity. It's about can I get them 
with a result? You know, can I get them confident shooting great videos? Can I save them a lot of time in terms of looking for the best equipment? Can I give them some sort of directing kind of tips to make their videos better? And I just thought I don't need that doesn't need to be hours and hours of content to to achieve that. And plus, they would they would love it more. They would love it more if they buy the product and actually have time to sit down and go through it and actually use it and get a result. And I've been learning that all the way along. It's easy to go off on your own tangent and think what you think people need. And you think you want to share everything. Really try and get in their shoes. So with my iPhone product, it's 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 a bigger product, but it's not a huge product. It's definitely smaller than my first one, but it does get you a result. With the ScreenFlow product, it's it was based around a couple of... 25 minute videos i've started adding a little bit more in now i launched it leaner than it is um than it, than it was at the beginning i've added a few more videos in since but it was a uh, it took me about two and a half weeks to to, to 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 make it really in terms of researching it and setting the whole site up and everything and it, the reason is you know i my my hook on it at the early early stage was could i teach somebody to edit in six in an hour. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, what, what an entrepreneur wants is they don't want, when they buy any bit of software, they don't want to sit there feeling lost and thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to take me weeks to learn this. And I'm so busy running my business and doing all the other things that goes into a business. I wanted to give them a result quickly. So I thought, could I teach somebody the basics in an hour? So the first two videos were just under an hour. And I think if you actually go through those, you actually will be able to edit a video after an hour. Since then, I've started, because of questions I've got, I've started adding in little extras, and then people are asking me, oh, how did you make your sales video? We really love it. We really love your sales video. That's why I bought it. And I added another video in about how I created my sales video. But I, I launched it very lean, um, very quickly, and I wanted to literally get it, get it out there on the market um, quickly. And in fact... I tested it on my iPhone people first. I had a smaller version inside of my iPhone course and I tested it just to get confidence with were people liking it. Do they really want that? Again, I was sort of doubting myself, which which is silly, mm. but I was doing that. Then I thought, right, I'm going to get this out as a separate product and see how it goes. And you know, it's it's going really well. Just to reiterate too, I'd love to know the components of delivery of everything here. So you mentioned previously you had WordPress as the content management system, Optimize Press as the theme and the membership protection mechanism on top of WordPress, PayPal to take payments. Uh, I'm assuming Aweber to do email newsletters since I got an email from you from Aweber. And what else are we needing here? Um, you create the sales page yourself. You have no copywriter and you do the sales video yourself as well. Uh, do you have a tech person helping you with a lot of this stuff, or are you still a one-man show? Can you kind of break down the structure sure. behind all of this? Yes, yes. The the structure being that you know that is probably one of the easiest parts to all of this is actually getting the the thing out there. And I used to do everything myself and literally optimize press one. Now I'm using optimize press two, so that's a, a WordPress theme. It's a I think it's ninety seven dollars for a, um, a license. The first license you get you know i think you can use it on is it one or three sites i can't quite remember but you know that's not not huge money there then yeah aweber because that was uh, an affordable solution there for me i started off using paypal i later put my products inside of clickbank which i know some people don't like the idea of clickbank but clickbank's uh, worked okay for me clickbank is a an affiliate marketplace it also has its own cart 
and it can basically take money from pretty much everywhere in the world. So I started using ClickBank. Um, I do have a PayPal option as well. Uh, I'm using uh, the plugin I'm using is Digital Access Pass, which is very similar to Wishlist. It has got its own affiliate system inside of it. So when you buy it, you get an affiliate system. So if you want to just do your own affiliate program, you can use that plugin to, to protect the content and do your own affiliate program. In terms of tech, I don't have anybody on staff. I've got a, um, a tech guy in, in Pakistan who, when my, when my, if I you know, get any big troubles, he comes and sorts me out in that respect. I've got somebody more recently who started helping me um, integrate with, with funnels, like upsell funnels and flows inside of ClickBank. That's on a freelance basis. So really, whenever I've needed something, I've gone out and, and hired somebody uh, specifically for that. But, you know, I think the, the tech side isn't, isn't uh, a huge deal. But one thing that might be useful is with my products, what I do, which is maybe a little bit different, is I, I set up the site first <laughs> before I create the product. And what I do is I like to see a shell of the site um, and fill in like almost like a just add content <laughs> type of site where... I literally put the, the, the dummy sales page up with a, any old YouTube video, random, but a bit of text, really. I get it all working, so I, I structure different modules or the different video titles inside of it, all with dummy content. I even go as far as getting it working with, with, with either PayPal or whatever, and um, the AWeb, the Optin, and everything. I get it all working. All that's missing is the actual content. And that kind of is interesting way of doing it but it gives you it, it makes it the task seem so much easier because really you know if you can make tw you know 10 videos five videos 20 whatever your course is going to be if you can sit down and apply yourself and fill in the content you've got yourself like a working hopefully money making site as opposed to sort of making videos putting them on your hard drive worrying about it and then thinking oh now I've done that and now I've got to create this whole infrastructure. That's a really interesting expression of uh, inevitability thinking there, Jules. I, I, uh, as you were saying there, going, you're creating the conditions so you can't help but create your product. It's like making it inevitable that it will come to existence because you build the shell first so that you just need to fill the gaps in paint by numbers sort of thing. So uh, interesting way of doing it. And I'm assuming very exciting too. There's something motivational about saying, here's my product and you know, I'm going to sell this. This is very cool. Um, I think that's pretty much it, Jules. I, I am curious nowadays, is it still your plan to pretty much just go from joint venture partner to joint venture partner or affiliate to affiliate? for traffic generation, because that's really the missing gap for most people. You know, that's why they start a blog. That's why they start a YouTube channel. That's why they start a podcast. They need a way of getting an audience so that they can actually do these promotions and sell their products. You've gone down the path of borrowing audience from other people by doing these commission of affiliate based promotions, which is fantastic. Uh, and, and definitely one of the quickest ways if you can convince people to promote for you. So is that obviously it works and you probably have an abundance of people you can keep talking to and potentially getting to promote. Is, is that the plan for the future? Well, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, I don't, I don't really base it too much about these around these one-off launches. It's more that if, you know, I've got a list of a thousand affiliates right now, an email list, um, not all are active, but there's a lot of people who have mentioned my product in the past. So it's sitting there, you know, in their blog, as opposed to it's sitting there on their sidebar 
and as a banner. And it's not just one person. It's not waiting for the next big um, affiliate launch, so to speak. So there are probably hundreds of sites um, pointing to me, which in a way is good because, you know, if, if one, uh, you know, if something happens to one site, which I hope it doesn't, then obviously I don't lose all of my traffic. Okay. How did you recruit so, them all? Like that's a lot of affiliates, thousand people. Um, you know, partly ClickBank, if you're on there, there are people hunting on ClickBank for good products to promote. If you start getting a bit of gravity on ClickBank, which is how they analyze, you know, how well your product's doing, you start to attract people. I have an opt-in on my blog, so um, people uh, opt-in to that. And I hear that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's always good to have an opt-in. Uh, so, in the blog. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. An opt-in on my, actually, what I meant to say is my sales page and on my blog as well. So, you know, there's, affiliates can, can go that route. Um, but I totally agree with you. There is, there is something missing here. I've, I think next year is a year when I'm really going to go out more and do more content out there for myself and do something incredible using video, of course, mm. something a little bit different as well, I hope, to, to do so. And, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think I could definitely multiply what I'm doing if I was more focused on content. What I've tended to do, which we didn't even talk about, is... I've made videos, I've put a lot of attention to videos on my sales page. So my sales video, I work on it. Also, I've done affiliate promotions for other people's products uh, this year. And I've come in the top 10 leaderboard of other people's promotions. And that's because I've developed a, a very niche list of video-loving entrepreneurs. And I've made videos for those promotions. So I've gone out and made videos which promote other people's products. So that's how, where I've sort of put my energy in terms of content, but mm. I totally agree with you. I need to reread your your ebooks and <laughs> go through your blog again and, and crank in my blog a lot more than I've, I've done so far. I, I wasn't uh, trying to uh, guilt trip you into that, <laughs> Jules. It was, uh, I was actually curious from, because you're having you know great results. And I, I think the, the potential you've obviously got is with your video skill is to really, you, like you said before, you were getting known as the flip guy so you want to get known now, I'm assuming, as something else. And every time you're getting an affiliate promoting you, you're getting that stamp of credibility. But I think at some point you'd obviously love the broad consensus when someone searches for your name. It's not just affiliate sites that show up. It's also your own stuff that shows up, whether it's a YouTube channel or, you know, like lots of your content out there or even just one big hit viral video you produce. I'm sure you're capable of doing that. So... Uh, that would do wonders for your traffic and, and your credibility even even more so. But anyway, we we're at the with the hour mark here, Jules, so we gotta wrap it up. What are your websites for people who are interested, especially if they're video loving entrepreneurs, because they're gonna love your products. So so what are they? Sure. Well well um my hub site where my blog is there awaiting me is uh, <laughs> videohero.com. Very simple domain, videohero.com, and that will link you off to my, my products. So if you go to videohero.com, there's also um, some freebies there as well. Little ebooks have been very good for me, um, little free um, ebooks to get some tips and things like that. So yeah, videohero.com would be my hub site. My actual product site is at iphonevideohero.com, iphonevideohero.com, and uh, also I have screenflowhero.com. That's my screenflow product. And then beyond that, I have my my VIPs membership site, which people normally funnel through the products and become a, a VIP where I have some webinar, live webinars. I have a Facebook group. And that's sort of, uh, that's my funnel, really, through the products. Then people 
decide if they want if they like what they see they, and they want to get a bit more strategy they come through and join join the vip section but if you were to go to videohero.com you can you can get everywhere from there and i guess the whole point of, of checking out your stuff is you want to create videos with with iphones and edit with ScreenFlow. that's basically what you teach Yes, I mean, I've got some people who do both. So they want to do, they shoot on iPhone, then they want to go and edit in ScreenFlow. I've got a lot of people joining up to ScreenFlow who using all kinds of cameras, DSLRs or whatever. They just want to crack editing and they want to make, you know, good videos, videos that jump off the page, um, that are entertaining, engaging, so that their sales pages, their opt-in videos sort of stand out in the marketplace. And I think that's why they... They kind of come to me because they see my videos on those pages and think, wow, you know, if only I could do one like that. Well, you know, I show you how to do one just like that so you can go away and, and make your own. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend people check out the videos you've got to sell these products because they're good examples of what you teach. And, and uh, they're not that complicated in the sense we're not talking, you know, movies, but we're definitely getting some cool effects and you're doing it all with ScreenFlow. And that if I've used ScreenFlow and I can do it, so I'm pretty confident most people can as well. So awesome, Jules. Um, thank you for telling the whole story there. There's obviously brackets of your life we've gone through from photographer to producer, director uh, in TV, and then becoming an internet marketer and then finding your home in this space where you're at now with the sort of video hero branding. And I'm sure there's a lot more coming up in the, the years ahead. So. Uh, anything else you want to just last minute add before I wrap it up? Um, well, no, just thanks so much for having me on because isn't it amazing how I listened to your podcast a few years ago, got really inspired by you and by your guests and heard their stories. And, you know, one of them was um, James Schramko's um, interview. James ended up promoting my product. Now I'm here on your podcast. So it's just fantastic. You know, if you're sitting at home, you know, right now listening, and this is all kind of theory to you and ideas, well, really just, just go for it. Make a decision, create something, get it out there, get a buy button on it, experiment, never give up, just keep going with it. And it's incredible how it can sort of change your outlook about the way you can live and about, about money and potential of what you could earn. So, you know, I just recommend everybody just crack some with it and get something out there. I love the phrase, get a buy button on it. I think we need to get a t-shirt made of that, Jules. That's a, that's a great phrase. So um, <laughs> thank you. And uh, thank you everyone for listening this far. It's been a long interview and, and I'm, I'm glad you're still here with us. And I hope you're feeling motivated after what Jules has just said. And he was just like you sitting on his bed or wherever you were lying down, Jules. I'm not sure, <laughs> listening to all these <laughs> interviews. And now you're one of the people having a six-figure selling series of products. And that's amazing. Uh, Okay, thanks Jules. Thanks everyone for listening in. My name is Yaro Stark and you know where to go to find more interviews like this. You can Google my name, which is Yaro, Y-A-R-O, and just hit the podcast tab once you land at my blog, which is called Entrepreneur's Journey, or you can find me on iTunes and uh, please do subscribe there and, and leave a review if you've liked this episode. Thanks again for listening. My name is Yaro and I'll talk to you on a future episode. Whoa, that was an epic interview with Jules there. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Before I let you go, just a quick reminder, I'd love to see you inside my EJ Insiders program. You can go to www.ejinsider.com forward slash interviews and see all the interviews you'll receive as well as details about everything inside the program. If you love the interview with Jules and you want to listen to something that will inspire you and give you real tactical and technical and strategic advice like you've just heard from Jules in this interview, then you need to be inside the club. Repeat exposure to these ideas to inspiring people like this is like having a mastermind group or a personal coach that you can tap into anytime you're traveling. Take it on the, in the car, when you're driving, uh, walking, riding a bike, whatever you like. All these interviews are available to you anytime and they will definitely give you that boost you need to keep working on your own internet business. So to check it all out, find out how much it costs, what you can receive, go to www.ejinsider.com forward slash interviews. And as I said, I'd love to see you in the program with the hundreds of people who've already joined before. My name is Yara Stark, and I'll talk to you again on a future interview.